Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. But God commended his love toward us in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us.
In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay.
Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. singing. Thank you so much, choir. Appreciate your preparation for that. Let's all stand, if you would, and we'll turn to page number 377.
And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were and they are and were created. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him.
Thank you so much for that. Appreciate all the good music we've had this morning and uh, the good spirit in church. Thank you for all the help uh, that goes into uh, putting on <clears throat> a breakfast like we had this morning and, of course, the, the songs and things. And just thank you so much, uh, church. And uh, we appreciate everybody being out. And uh, if you'll take your Bibles uh, for a moment this morning, we're going to open up to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to look at a few things and uh, then we'll be done. Uh, somebody asked me, why, why do we do a candy toss? Why don't we hide the candy? Because if you hide it, they've got to find it. If they have to find it, we can't get the lunch. And so we just want them to get it so we can go eat. And uh, that's the Baptist way. And uh, we're, we're proud of that. Matthew chapter 27. We're going to look uh, towards the back part of the chapter, starting in verse number 62. And, uh, of course, uh, up to this, prior to verse number 62, we've seen Jesus Christ taken in the garden. And we've seen him uh, in his trial. We've seen him falsely accused. We've seen them decide on a robber and a, uh, a murderer that they would rather have than Jesus. And so they let Barabbas go and they uh, take Jesus to crucify him. We see him mocked and uh, spat upon. We see him beaten, his beard plucked from him. We see him uh, hanging upon a tree, upon that cross, to die for you and me. And as we come up to this part here, he's now been put into the tomb. Joseph of Arimathea has begged Pilate for his body and, and has been granted that. And he puts him in a, a tomb that had never been used. And then we come to verse number 62. It says, Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate. Now these are the folks that want to do away with Christ. These are the ones that, that they press their desire upon the people to have them release unto them Barabbas and kill Jesus. And we see him coming into Pilate here who had the authority to do what they wanted to do. And in verse number 63 it says, saying, Sir, remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Verse number 63 is comforting to us in the fact that it shows uh, these people that hated Jesus so much assenting and uh, being forthright in the fact that Jesus did die. Uh, there are some that would say, well, he swooned upon the cross and they put him in a tomb and then three days he was, uh, you know, okay. And, and uh, as I heard one pastor say, he said, well, let me tell you this, let's beat you and uh, plunge a spear in your side and and then uh, do all the things that they did to Jesus and then throw you in an empty tomb for three days and let's see how you are. And so we see here that even the men that hated him the most are saying, hey, he died. And so one thing that we can get clear uh, from the get-go is that Jesus Christ died upon that cross. That's important. And then verse number 64 says, Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And saying to the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error should be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So they went 
and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. I want to kind of key in on that phrase right there in verse number 65, and this will be the, the platform upon which we build the message this morning with God's help. Make it as sure as you can. You better make it sure. And that's where we want to get this morning. And uh, with God's help, we're going to share something with you that God laid upon our heart. And uh, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into it this morning. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we can't do this without you. You're the one that needs to move, dear God. We can give the message, but without your presence, dear God, it's just words. So be with us today. I pray your spirit would move upon the hearts of those that don't know your son as their savior and prick them, dear God, and convict them, dear God, and, and bring them to know him this morning, we pray. Move me out of the way. Cleanse me of sin, O oh God, and, and move myself, dear God, and let me be filled with your spirit, I pray. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And so over these few verses that we read here, we see several things that are happening. The first thing that I see here is the expectation of a problem by the Pharisees. You know, uh, really, I, I think that they thought that when they got rid of Jesus, they got rid of Jesus. They came together. Now, these are significant people. These are the leaders. These are the, the, the I mean, these are the uppity-ups of the city. They are the, the chief priests, the, the rich guy. I mean, they're who's who in Israel in that day. And they got together, and, and as we know, birds of a feather flock together, and they, they hated Jesus. Why? Because he brought about something different. You didn't need religion to get to heaven. You need a relationship. And any time that you attack uh, the, the financial part of uh, what people are doing, they're going to get mad. You see over in uh, Acts and, and Corinthians when Paul would go into a city and uh, when the, uh, the people that made idols found out that he was preaching didn't need idols, they'd get upset. Why? Because he was attacking their livelihood. And so we see that these men, these Pharisees, the chief priests, they were upset because uh, they needed people to be involved in their religion to be able to get their money. So they banded together to get rid of him. So this group of significant people, they had a problem. There was a predicament that was serious that they were involved in, and they, they said if the, if the error at last could be worse than the error at the beginning, then what was that error? That Jesus Christ was the Son of God. They said if they can come in and steal his body out and make it seem as though he arose from the dead, then it's going to make us look really, really bad as though we didn't know what was going on. So they were afraid. They were scared. They, they were upset because they, they just might uh, be in trouble, so to speak. And what's funny is, when you look back through the scriptures, Gamaliel was one of the men of those chief priests, and he said, we need to just leave this thing alone, because what if we're found to be fighting against God? Anytime you're fighting against God, you're going to lose. Just an FYI on that part. And anytime you're fighting against God, you're going to lose out on the best that you could have. And so we see here that they are in a predicament. They have a serious problem because in Matthew chapter 12, just a few chapters back, Jesus Christ said this, For as Jonas was three days and nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. 
And when you think about the death that he died, it was not a normal death. I mean, consider the fact that they hung him on a cross, and yet in the midst of that, it went dark for about three hours. And in the midst of that, there was an earthquake. And in the midst of that, the veil in the temple was rent in twain when he cried out, it is finished. Why? Because there was no longer needed to have that access through the tabernacle, through the temple to get to God, because now we had a mediator, Jesus Christ. And so it wasn't just a normal death. And so they were worried. They were scared. These things weren't supposed to happen. Even the, 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 the chief soldier there, the centurion, when he looked upon him, he said, Surely this was the Son of God. And so we see that they're expecting a problem. What do we do when we're expecting a problem? We try to fix it. We try to fix it. We have a problem over here. We're trying to fix it. <laughs> And so we're going to dig, and we're going to seal, and we're going to do everything we can. Titus was asking me this morning, he goes, do I have to vacuum that again with the shop vac? I'm like, some people have a ministry of shop vacuum. <laughs> and that's what you got. Well, what do we do? We try to fix the problem. So these men come to Pilate the authority, the Roman authority in that area, and they want to prepare. They want to say, hey, we need to do something about this because it could really hurt us after the fact. And so we see through these verses, they come to him, and, and they are strategizing. They're, they're going to go to their resources and, and say, Pilate, we want you to, to give us a, a, a group of soldiers, which is funny, it's interesting, because they hated Roman soldiers. And yet, where are they going to? The Romans to get soldiers to help them with their problem. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> I mean, they're going to the very thing that they hate most to get help. Why? Because they hated him even more. The Romans kind of let them do whatever they wanted. But Jesus Christ was upset in the apple cart. And so they, they get together, they strategize, strategize, they go to Pilate, and they, they get the resources that he can give them. And so they're, they're going to deploy these soldiers to do the job that they thought they could do. I mean, these were the best of the best. I mean, in that day and age, Rome was the pinnacle of military might. I mean, there wasn't nobody going to mess with Rome. When they came in, they wiped you out. They took over, they did what they wanted, and that was it. They conquered the known world at that time. And so they figured they had it ready to go. We're going to figure this thing out, we're going to take care of it. Isn't that just like us? We, we might sit here this morning thinking, I, I ain't got no problems. We might sit here this morning thinking, I don't know what this guy is so upset about. He's speaking above a normal tone. <clears throat> Ask my kids, I can speak above a normal tone about any subject. But we all have a problem. We all have a problem. It's called sin. And there's only one way to fix it. And so these men, they're gathered together here. They're trying to figure out how can we do this. They're going to rely on themselves. They're going to rely on their own wits. 
their own wisdom, their own knowledge, their own ability to overcome something that they cannot overcome. They're going to try to do their best to defeat God. There's no way. There's no way. They're emphasizing, they're preparing, they're, they're trying to get it uh, ready to go here. And so they execute their plan, we see uh, in verse number 66. It says, so they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. What, what's crazy is that they went to the place where the Lord lay and they put their inscription upon it. They put their soldiers outside of it thinking that their authority exceeded the authority of Almighty God. Ain't no way. And so we see here that, and it's funny because Pilate tells him, he says, make it as sure as you can. He says, guys, good luck with that. It is how I feel about it. That's in my version, that's what he says. Because if you remember about Pilate, he didn't want nothing to do with it. What, what, what did he tell? Uh, that he, he wanted to let him go. He says, I find no fault in this man. What did Pilate's wife tell him? Have no doings with that man, for I've suffered many things of him in a dream. What did Pilate try to do? He tried to wash his hands in the water to cleanse himself of the blood of Christ. He said, I don't want any part of it. Why? Because I think in the back of his mind, he knew who he was. He knew that he was Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And he said, fellas, if you can keep him in that grave, you're a better man than I am. Make it as sure as you can. And they did everything, everything humanly possible to thwart God. Perhaps there's some sitting out here this morning in, the, in this audience, and you've done everything in your life humanly possible to thwart God's conviction in your life. And then all of a sudden, you end up in a Baptist church on Easter morning. God has a plan for you. God, God has something better for you than what you have right now. And we see these men, they're doing everything they can, everything they can, whatever possible to fight against the will of God. And they couldn't do it. You say, well, how, how do you know that? What, 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 what goes on? What happens? They, I mean, they're trying everything humanly possible to keep Jesus Christ in the grave. And the problem is you're dealing with Almighty God, and then you better watch out because, number one, you ain't smarter than God, and you ain't stronger than God. Almighty, all-knowing God. And so these men, they, they put their soldiers out. They put their seal upon that that tomb, and, 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 and I don't know what they were expecting, but it didn't work. Because we read here in Matthew chapter 28, it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. 
And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now that's, that's adding insult to injury. I mean, you know, you ever watch football? I love, I love sports. Football, baseball, uh, basketball. Eh. Um, that's it. That's all the sports there are. Um, pretty sure. But what's, what's a big deal in baseball right now? You hit a home run, you flip the bat, you get hit by a pitch the next time you're up. Nobody likes to be made a fool of. All right, I've never had that problem of hitting a home run. Uh, when I get a walk, I flip the bat and walk to first. <laughs> That's as good as I can do. But the angel rolled the stone back and then sat on it. Like, what are you going to do now? Where are you at now, guys? And, and not only that, but the, the keepers, it says, they're those soldiers, those vaunted military men that had no doubt seen battle, uh, might have even been the ones that scourged Jesus and, 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 and whipped Jesus and plucked the beard from his face. They fell down as dead men. They couldn't stand in front of God. And, and so we, we read on here, it says, the angel sat upon the stone. I, I just thought that's good. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became his dead. They weren't even confronted with God. They were confronted with an angel, a created being of God. And they got scared. And the angel answered and said unto the women, soldiers over there laid out, fainted, dead away, they don't, even, they don't even look like they're breathing. And then here's this group of women that came seeking Jesus. He said, fear not ye. Well, that's personal. That's personal. God wants to speak on a personal level to each and every one of us. Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. He's saying, hey, just remember 16 chapters ago? He said, I'll be back. And he is. Come see the place where the Lord, past tense, lay. Think about it. Here they are. They're coming to seek Jesus, who they thought was dead, who they thought was gone, who they, 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 they didn't think... Anything could happen. They, they thought it was all done. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you're like, I'm just here because I was invited. I'm just here because my auntie wanted me to come or my grandpa wanted me to come or my mom made me come or, or my dad drugged me to church this morning. Hey, you're here for a reason that you don't even know. I mean, they took spices to anoint the dead body of Jesus and he wasn't there. The reason you're here this morning is not the reason you're here. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the reason you're here. And so we see a divine intervention pop up in this account. I mean, from out of nowhere, a display that was impressive. I mean, bam, angel descends, rolls back the stone, sits on it. Keepers fall down as dead men. That's impressive. 
I'll tell you what's more impressive is the fact that Jesus Christ wants to save your soul. I mean, here they are. They come, and the angel rolls the stone away. And, and what's so cool about this part of the story, about this account, is he rolled the stone away not so that they could let Jesus out. He wasn't there. Could creation contain the Creator? They rolled the stone away to give a second testimony that he had risen. First testimony that he had died came from the Pharisees themselves. Second testimony that he had risen came when they rolled that stone away and said, Hey, come and see where he lay. Because he ain't there. He has risen over... Uh, I had another verse I wanted to, to share with you. i got to look at it here so I don't mess it up. Uh, in Luke chapter 24, uh, the angel says this. He says, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. I have a bad habit of forgetting everything. Um, most everybody knows that if you want me to announce something, give it to me in written form and then ask me again to make sure I put it in my Bible and then ask me again to make sure I remember to announce it. But there are some things I've never forgotten. I remember the day that the Lord saved me. It was in a church much like this one. Right about here at an altar, much like this one. When I knelt at the age of 13 and asked Christ to save my soul. I remember the day that God called me to preach like it was yesterday. I remember. And I want you to understand that when you walk out of this place, you'll remember maybe not everything, but you'll remember the fact that Jesus died for you. And you might try to put it from your mind. You might try to get rid of it. But God, through His Spirit, will continue to work on your heart. And this little prick, you'll think it's my conscience. My conscience tells me to be a good person. My conscience is telling me to, to do better. No, it's, it's your conscience. It's your, that, that prick from God saying, come to know me and get the best. See, just like these men, these Pharisees, we have a problem. We try to take care of it. We try to do good works. We try to do good deeds. We try to give enough. And if, I, if I'm a good enough person, if I, if I do enough good works, maybe, just maybe, I can get into heaven. But there's a problem. Just like these men, you're trying to fight against God. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have an expectation of death in our life. We have an expectation of sin. We're going to do wrong. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so the death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And he tells us in Hebrews, as is appointed unto men once to die, 
death and taxes. Two things you can't get away from, right? He says it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. The judgment. So God is saying, hey, you've got a problem. But thank God he's got a remedy. We think that if we have good deeds and if we do what we can, but in Isaiah it says, but we're all as an unclean thing and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags and we do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And in 1 John it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we know that we are a sinner. In Romans chapter 3 it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It is a futile attempt to try to appease a holy God without going by the way He provided. And, and, and the thing is, it's free. It's free. He, does, he doesn't require a, a payment. He doesn't require that we come and put money in the offering to get to heaven. He doesn't require that we even attend church to get into heaven. There was a man... Uh, upon the cross, Christ in the middle of one of the malefactors said, Remember me uh, in thy kingdom. He says, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He didn't put anyone in the offering. He didn't put anything in, in his church. He just put his faith in Christ. And that's what you need. You, you need to have, uh, as I call it, an exonerating discourse. You need to have a little talk with Jesus. Because I can't save you. I can't do enough good for my family to save them. Each one of my family has to come to Christ on their own and accept Him as their Savior. I, 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 can't, I can't do that for them. Your grandma can't do it for you. Maybe your grandma was a good, uh, a good Baptist, a good Methodist, a good whatever. My grandma was the nursery coordinator for almost 40 years. You talk about somebody that could have worked their way into heaven? You'd be the coordinator of a nursery of a church of 2,000? But guess what she needed? To be saved. My grandpa went through World War II, fought, and, and, and was through that great conflict and came home and, and sang in a, a Southern Gospel Quartet and did all kinds of things. But you know what he needed? To be saved. My dad grew up in the home of a drunk, came to church on the bus, You know what he needed was to get saved. My mom grew up in church. Good church girl. Guess what she needed? To ask Jesus Christ to come into her heart and save her. Why? Because it's a personal experience. It is a personal experience. They tried to make sure that Jesus couldn't get out. But this morning, you need to make sure that Jesus has gotten in. There, there's nothing greater. There's no greater choice, decision, all those words that would go along with that this morning than knowing before you walk out of those doors that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Why? Because the Bible says for the wages of sin is death. That, that, that's what's coming. There's a place called hell that is reserved for Satan and his angels, but all those that 
die without accepting Christ as their Savior will go there as well. So we need to have an exonerating discourse, a talk with Jesus. In Romans chapter 10, it says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. It's a promise. It's a promise. He says, if you'll do this, I will do this. In Psalms chapter 32, the psalmist writes, David, he says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. And First John tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a promise that he's made that if we'll ask him for forgiveness, he will give it. I want to share a story with you and then another scripture and we'll be done. When I, before I came here, most of you know I worked for the Georgia State Patrol. And I enjoyed that. I mean, where else can you drive fast and, and have fun the way you do in a police car? And so uh, a good friend of mine there was uh, my corporal, Mike Young, badge number 674, Corporal M.D. Young, codenamed Mad Dog. That's what we called him. He's just there. He's Mad Dog to everybody. And he could, I think it was a record, he could stop a car, write a ticket, and be back 10-8, as we call it, back uh, in service from that ticket in under five minutes. I mean, that's impressive. I mean, he'd put you on the shoulder, tell you hello, tell you goodbye, and put you on your way. And so he was like, he was the guy. We, everybody loved him. He was a good man. Well, uh, on, I, I have a coin here. And on August 29th of 2006, I keep this in my office, and it's a challenge coin that, that has his picture on it. And it says, end of watch, August 29th, 2006. Corporal Young used to say, any day you go home is a good day. And one day, he got up, came to work. It was a Saturday. Came to work, was doing paperwork in the office, and we got a call from another trooper that he had tried to stop a car, and that car ran. And he needed backup to help stop this vehicle. So we had two troopers in the patrol post there. They both, they were ready. That's the highlight. You got a chase going, everybody goes. That's the way it is. And uh, he, he runs out, and uh, senior trooper Cameron, badge number 292, took off. Mad Dog took off right behind him. And they hit the interstate, just, I mean, steady, Blue lights, siren, everything. And they hit a little rainstorm, just a, like that. And then they were through it. And Trooper Cameron looked behind him, he didn't see Mike. He looked behind him again, didn't see Mike. Mike was right on his tail. He radioed the patrol post, he said, hey, check on 674, I don't see him. Did he stop, Did he, does he have a problem? Brunswick 674, no answer. 
Brunswick, 674, no answer. We get a call from the county police department. We found 674, there's been a wreck. Troopers responded. Just that small rainstorm that another man had passed through caused him to hydroplane, go across Interstate 95 and oncoming traffic, took his life. Just like that. Proverbs tells us, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what the day may bring. You say, well, that's a sad story. It is. Except for this. I knew Mike. Mike was a lay preacher at his church. 25 years before that time, a pastor had visited Mike and his family on a Thursday night. And Mike came to know Christ as his Savior. So when he died, it was sad, but it was okay. Because he had seen the place where the Lord lay, and he had made it sure in here. And he had the testimony that, hey, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Do you have that this morning? Could you walk out of this building today not knowing what's ahead and be okay? Could you step off into eternity and be okay? I would dare say without Christ, you cannot. So you have a choice. See, we, I know we have a lot of visitors and Perhaps you're not used to a service like this, but this time of, of what we call preaching is a time to tell the Word of God, explain the Word of God, and, and show what needs to be done in our lives to draw closer to God. And it's a time that we, we try and we pray will allow the Spirit of God to move and, and touch hearts. Because... It would be sad. It would, it, it would go against everything that we stand for if somebody were to step out of this building this morning not knowing Jesus Christ. The breakfast, the music, everything we do is that men and women may know Him because of what He's done for us. So I'd like for just a moment, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes for me. This is, we're wrapping up the service and, and we'll be done in just a moment. We'll go have our candy toss. And I, I pray that if you're saved this morning, would you be praying right now? Because I want to ask a question. Maybe there's one here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You say, I, I, I'm still a little fuzzy on that. We have somebody that could explain it to you this morning. To where you would not have to leave this building without knowing Him. If you were to say, you know, Pastor, I, I, I don't know for sure I'm on my way to heaven, but I sure don't want to go to hell. We can help you with that. 
It costs absolutely nothing. It doesn't make you a member of our church. We're not looking for members of Parkview Baptist Church. We're looking for men and women who need Jesus Christ. And so for a moment in the quiet, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would there be anybody here this morning under the sound of my voice that would say, Pastor Williams, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. If there's one like that this morning, you don't have to look up. You don't have to look over. If you would just raise your hand in the air. I'm going to pray in a moment. I want to be able to pray for you and for your soul. Is there anyone like that this morning? Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. You can put them down. Anyone else? It's better to be honest now than to be ashamed before God. I'm going to pray. And we're going to sing a song. But I would ask if you raised your hand, while we sing that song, would you come and let somebody take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven?